0: Welcome to Under the Radar, the podcast that shines a spotlight on the most exciting, get low-key crypto gems in the space through conversations with top builders, influencers, and innovators who are making waves under the radar, but right in front of you stay connected head over to utrshow.com where you can join our community
1: and be part of the conversation
0: don't forget to give us a retweet and share with your friends this is under the radar wait
1: let's go ahead and get rolling uh welcome everybody to under the radar or a uh AMA spaces podcast production here to uh host and give you guys some interviews with some of the top builders in the space who are maybe relatively unknown or or well known and you know give you guys some good information about them uh today here we have billy one of my favorite founders uh that i invested in as an angel as well as our fun ww ventures on the back end here uh really happy to have him on board uh billy let's uh let's go ahead and get you started here maybe talk about your background what led you into web3 and uh teach everyone here about you
2: yeah and thank you for having me um admittedly i I I'm not the best public speaker and I get nervous for these things. So, so bear with me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm Billy. Um, I did my undergrad in, in systems engineering and started my career off in 2012, helping build a distributed seismic network at Caltech with the United States geological survey office. So got some pretty early exposure to distributed systems um, and then pivoted over to the world of financial services, technology consulting um, and kind of the combination of the two. I, I've like, I got exposed to crypto, and then just kind of like immediately understood it, just because I was frequenting these these big banks with the big pillars and the big buildings, and I was like, oh, these guys absolutely have all of their—they've <laughs> got everything figured out. They they know exactly what you're doing. And then you you peek behind the scenes, and you see, oh, it's like one guy managing like billions of dollars with an Excel spreadsheet, and you're just like, or like you're, you're still using like a Cobol mainframe, and so the the old system just seemed unsalvageable and so th- I, I knew that there had to be a better way it didn't seem like we were making any real progress like at the banks and so like this this parallel system kind of was really appealing to me so i've been involved in crypto for 10 years i've been involved with ethereum since right after the very beginning i've been in, uh, i was fortunate enough to hear about it pretty early so i've been involved since like march of 2014 um helped start the blockchain consulting practice at ernst and young And then transitioned over to consensus where i'm actually still employed as an advisor um and i just signed a contract for another year so i'm still involved in consensus land and a little bit of background about like what led me to intuition so back in like 2016 i was building these kyc pocs when i was at ey um which led me to uh like be one of the founding members of the decentralized identity foundation which is where i met the uport team uh which was a spoke of consensus focused on self-sovereign identity and so when I ended up joining ConsenSys, I ended up working with the Uport team. Um, and so kind of went down the identity rabbit hole and haven't looked back. And so every time I try to think about how to architect a system, it always just has this like identity slant just because my, my vision is clouded by this like knowledge of this p- potential future that is enabled by decentralized identity. And so a little bit of more background To frame like where this came from because it's also a nice framing of like where we're going so about two and a half years ago or so height of the bull market i was doing a ton of angel investing and advisory work and and my unique value prop to people was like hey i've been around for you know 10 years let me just connect the dots for you let me tell you who's come before you who exists now let me break down these information silos get you connected with the people you like probably should be connected with typical like vc stuff um and it went really well but i was on a whole lot of calls all the time. And I I don't like the calls. And so I was like, what if I could like disintermediate myself here? And so what I did was I just like, took my mind map of web three, and I put it into software um, into this little application. So instead of needing to come to me to ask me all of these questions, you could just like go and see the information for yourself. Uh, So we and if you had questions, sure, I could answer them personally, but it just like alleviated a lot of the friction of needing to like vocally kind of expressed this information that otherwise lived in my head. And so then I thought, well, like, what if it wasn't just me curating this knowledge graph? What if like, the whole community could contribute to this knowledge graph? And what if people were incentivized for adding good data to the knowledge graph, that would be pretty interesting. And so I just kind of got obsessed with the idea started like technically architecting it and writing the white paper. And what it started to look like was this composition of all of these various identity and data and finance primitives that had been emerging over the past couple of years and so that brings us to today um and we are intuition and we're building some cool stuff that falls into all of those veins so identity data knowledge reputation it's, it's kind of like one big puzzle that we hope to
1: help frame for people awesome that's uh incredible background man i love to have builders like you in the space providing different value adds, especially consensus, and then now doing your own thing. uh, It makes the industry uh, so much better as we continue building here. Uh, So I guess the big differentiator that I'd like to start on before we start talking about actually what is an attestation is I'd love for you to talk about maybe the difference between you and other data organizers like Nansen or Arkham mm. word data a lot. And we can think about knowledge graphs as well. And then, you know, the data collection across EtherScan and on chain. So I'd love to hear maybe the difference between what you're building and maybe what Nansen and, and those data architects are doing.
2: So, so the, the Nansen's of the world.
1: And, and I, like, if you lump
2: them into like a kind of discrete category, like what they're, they're, mainly looking like, on-chain activities about things and, like, allowing people to traverse the on-chain knowledge graph. Like, I I think of that as, like, also a knowledge graph. So, like, you've got the on-chain knowledge graph that exists right now. And platforms like Nansen allow you to, like, easily traverse it, easily create visual displays for uh, what the information is saying. And so you can kind of view us as... a a little bit similar i think we're a little bit lower level than something like nansen but for things that aren't like on-chain activities and so like you can maybe get somewhat of a picture of what's going on in crypto by looking at the explicit on-chain activities but like an example i like to give is like just because i might like throw 10 million dollars into a DeFi pool doesn't mean that i'm like I might not support the team. I, not, I might not believe in the long-term vision. There's, like, so much more to the story than just, like, the explicit actions that users are taking on-chain. There's, like, all of the sentiment involved in everything, and it's kind of, like, I don't know. There, there's... There, and it expands beyond just, like, Web3. It's just life generally. There's so much information beyond just what happens on-chain, and so we are a place where um, that other information can be stored, Uh, in a nice, standardized, easy to use way. Um, And then we just kind of like provide the tooling kind of like you can think of it kind of a little bit like Nansen, wherein we want both users and developers to be able to easily interact with that data set. So instead of having this like extremely fragmented, disparate, hard to deal with data set about all things, we just want to make it really, really easy for people to um, both curate and digest the data uh, just without needing to like, you know go down to the lowest level and like look at the raw data oftentimes. So that's kind of does that answer the question? Happy to elaborate on anything further. If
1: No, that's per- That's perfect. because I'm just gonna segue right into uh, the attestation. And uh, that word I didn't actually know until we met back uh, a <laughs> couple months ago. So I'd love to hear your definition of what exactly is an attestation. Uh, what does that look like on chain? and uh maybe dive into the current problems with attestations uh currently in, in web two.
2: yeah for sure so so to me what an attestation is is just like a signed message about a thing and so like with the proliferation of like pki like everyone's got a private key that they can sign things with um and hopefully that that private key is self-sovereign so you've got like like uh, the masses with these self-sovereign private keys and they can sign data, which is a really, really powerful primitive. And so we realized this like pretty early on in the Ethereum day. So these things have been like, the concept has been around forever. We've been like working on them for a really long time, but it's really just like a signed message. You just have like cryptographically verifiable data at the end of the day. So that's that's all an attestation is. It's like, uh, like let's say I claim, uh, I am a core contributor to intuition like that's a statement if i sign that with my private key and put it somewhere accessible like that's an attestation i can say anything about anything so it's basically just like statements about things um and it's very low level and you can you can use it for pretty much anything uh and and what that looks like on chain is you you can have attestations kind of like entirely off chain if you want but what the typical architecture looks like there's there's two main ones when they do live on-chain. So one architecture is attestations can live entirely on-chain. So if you want your data to be public and visible forever, uh, put the whole attestation on-chain. You, you obviously can't store super heavy metadata on-chain, so it has to be pretty rudimentary. But you can store like an entire attestation on-chain. Or you can do, you can follow kind of like NFT architecture where you've got kind of a reference on-chain to some off-chain metadata, that off-chain metadata might be encrypted. So then you get the the privacy component. Um, And so that's kind of like at the lowest level, what attestation on-chain looks like. And then typically what people do is they have schemas for attestation. So in order to be able to kind of parse and make sense of the statement that people are making, You kind of just store the data in 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 these schemas uh, so you can interpret the data a little bit better and so typically when you see an attestation on chain it's like it has a schema associated with it and someone is just like filling out the the various kind of like values of the key value pairs to make a statement sign it with their private key oftentimes it's issued to like an address or some other did uh, so that you have kind of a, a self-sovereign object that the attestation is pertaining to, but that is at the at the at the core what I how I view an attestation. And there's probably like an actual definition of attestation in the in the dictionary, but I that, that's kind of how I view
1: attestations. Awesome. So let's, let's talk a little bit about intuition and what intuition is doing with attestations, um, maybe more, uh, not with more clarity, but, uh, more in depth. And then, uh, after that, I will hand it off to one of the other hosts to ask some questions.
2: Cool. Yeah. So an- another piece of your, your question from before is like, what's, what's the, what are the current problems that we're experiencing right now? And this kind of leads into what we're doing. Um, so I'll hit on that real quick. So couple problems with what's going on right now is uh, people aren't really using attestations for very many things, even though they're this very powerful, very low-level primitive that can be used for pretty much everything. I think that all data on the web at some point will be in the form of quote-unquote quote attestation. So whether that's clicking a button on a website or like a review on Yelp or Amazon, all of these things are going to be, attestations at some point in time and so problem number one is people just really aren't making attestations about things and so you can't use attestations for interesting things until people are until the attestations exist and so like the one of the reasons attestations aren't being used for anything is one i think that we kind of got trapped in standard tell a little bit so like a bunch of people have been doing this stuff for quite a long time. And I think we kind of made the mistake of focusing on the really high criticality use cases first. And so we came out of the gate swinging like (laughs) at EY back in 2016, we were we wanted to use it for KYC. And so we were trying to work with big banks to get it implemented. And they're like, what, who are you? What is Ethereum? We don't know any of the words that, we're, that you're saying. And so it was this very big political battle that need, needed to be fought. And at Uport, we kind of did the same thing. So we were kind of, we were working with the city of Zug in Switzerland to issue their passports as verifiable credentials on Uport. And we did it. But then the problem was like very political. It's like you want that passport in the form of a verifiable credential on Uport to be accepted elsewhere. Then you got to talk to other governments, say, hey, can you guys like accept this thing? And they'll, they say we don't know what you're saying. We don't trust this stack. We need the physical document. And so I think the problem we ran into was focusing on the really high criticality stuff first, which obviously like all of that stuff is so important and it's going to change the world and we'll figure it out eventually. But the focus on that first kind of steered us away from this kind of more scrappy experimentation where we had, I think we just got to get people claiming things about things. And once everyone is claiming things about things, whether or not they know it, it might be happening in the background. Then we have like this really massive pool of verifiable data to use for literally every use case. Every, there's, I don't, I can't think of a single use case that couldn't benefit from this. And so once the attestations exist, we can do some really cool stuff. I think the problem right now is just the fact that they just don't exist. Um, And so that's kind of what we're trying to solve. So We're just trying to get people to make claims about things, and we do it in a couple different ways. So the first way we do it is we make it really easy, Uh, like providing good developer tooling, providing even just nice user interfaces so you don't have to be a developer to, you know, use these for pretty powerful purposes. Um, So one is just, like, user experience and, and structuring the data in such a way that it's very easy to deal with and very easy to like index and query and search. Um, Because right now what we're experiencing is a a massive kind of fragmentation of the data, making it really hard to deal with. So even if the data does get created, it's really hard to use the data that's created because it's just kind of messy. And so we got to clean it up a little bit and we got to make it really easy for people to create data in this kind of more structured, cleaned up way. And then like once it's easy, we got to get people wanting to make claims about things. And so a web two parallel that I like to give is like, you can think of, you know, an Amazon review as an attestation about a product or a Yelp review as a attestation about a restaurant or a like of a YouTube video as an attestation that you like, like the YouTube video. And the problem is nobody even does that in web two. Like, if you look at the data, 97% of people are like not doing these things. Um, and so how do we get people to want to express themselves a little bit more in the digital realm? Cause it's really important because we are all leveraging this data to make decisions in our everyday lives. Like me, even me as someone trying to solve this problem, I still go to Amazon and I still look like, Oh, 10,000 reviews, five-star rating. Of course, I'm going to buy this, even though I know that I, I don't. of them are fake and not a single person I know has probably written a single review on Amazon ever. And so, uh, like that's kind of what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to want to make claims about things in different ways. And it comes through kind of a bunch of different pillars of what we consider incentives. And when I say incentives, I don't just mean like monetary incentives. You've got like, reputational incentives and functional incentives and educational incentives. And so at the end of the day, like what we're trying to do is make it easy for people to make claims about things in the right way so that, and then also provide them the right incentives to make the claims so that they're expressing themselves a little bit more in the digital realm.
1: Gotcha. There's a lot there. And, you know, even as, a crypto native who hears kind of the most technical stuff in the world talking about you know zk bridges and and uh <laughs> different mathematical formulas to that make that make it make sense and then i hear yours and i'm like this is oddly simple but i still don't understand <laughs> but but at the same time i do because i mean at a review system in web 2 or even the way that we speak about things or like things, especially on Twitter. Twitter is a perfect example. You know, there's only one type of attestation I can give mm-hmm. towards a tweet, and that's I like it or I comment and give my attestation. But that's not the same as just a simple click of, of what my claim actually is. And then, you know, you're you mentioning Review Network. I mean, e- even outside of Amazon, I think it's even more fragmented. Uh, towards the way that you have centralized entities being able to pick and choose on certain review sites. Like Google Reviews, centralized entities can choose what reviews they don't want to show up at times. Maybe yep. that's changed, but it was like that before. Apartment complexes, when we were in college, they'd have roach reviews. And uh, then you know I'd show, look back a month later and be like, oh, why are all the roach reviews gone? so you you look at on chain which is verifiable immutable it can't cannot be altered and then you can combine that with how people really feel and you get kind of this truthful nature of how things are currently and how they progress later whether that gets better or worse and uh different attributes i think it's it's such a beautiful combination of of proper attestation proper thinking and immutableness uh that i think yeah
2: and and there's there's two pieces in there that I want to touch on a little bit. So the first one, to your point of on Twitter, you can only like a tweet, or you can leave a long form comment, but then that's unstructured and it takes you a while, and, and maybe you don't want to spend the time to to write out a, a well written thought about a thing. Um, on on Facebook, you can attest with a couple different emojis. You got like a smiley guy, a sad guy, an angry guy, whatever. Um, but like, what if you could just very easily claim anything about anything anywhere. So in the case of Twitter, instead of only being able to like a tweet or leave a comment, you could very quickly and easily react with like a TCR of reactions where it's like fake news, left-leaning, politicized, sponsored scam. So you get a little bit more explicit signal with respect to what the person is trying to say about the thing. And maybe they do just want to like it and have it and be ambiguous. That is totally fine. And maybe the platform only wants to let people like things that's totally fine too, but just having the option to do it, I think is really interesting. Um, and then when you create that like, right, what happens right now is the like lives in, in Twitter uh, and it lives on Twitter servers, but like what if you could abstract that reactionary feature set away from the application layer and build this low level protocol where you can react to anything with anything. So instead of those likes being stored in Twitter land, they're just like stored on this open permissionless decentralized knowledge graph that any, any application can access for any arbitrary purpose. So maybe another application wants to pull Twitter tweets into their platform and pull the likes in. Like we just, it just makes it really easy to do things like that. Um, and then on the review side of things, one of the biggest problems I think right now is like, we don't have these portable social graphs. And so like, I don't have a, an Amazon friends list. And so when I go to Amazon and I look at a product, I see 10,000 reviews from anonymous accounts. I don't know who they are. I, maybe I, if I'm like, if it's a really expensive thing and I'm really trying to make a decision, maybe I'll click on like, a per, I don't think I've actually ever done it, but like maybe I should click on a person's profile who left a review that I'm taking into consideration. But it's just like, what if, like once you have portable social graphs, which is like another thing that intuition helps enable... Then it's like, when you go to Amazon, you've got like your trust graph that you can import everywhere. So you bring your trust graph to Amazon, you bring it to Yelp, you bring it to Twitter. Um, And when you go to Amazon, maybe you can like see, filter and see, or the reviews from your friends or the people that you trust bubble up to the top. So maybe you want to see Huberman's attestations about supplements. And then you can see like what he said about like supplements or I don't know, health stuff. Um, and I think that it's just like, once we have that, maybe people start caring a little bit more about, you know, making claims about things on these platforms. Cause if I left a review on Amazon and I knew my friends were going to see it, maybe, maybe that would be the place that I recommend the product instead of going into the group chat, pasting a link and be like, yo, you guys got to buy this. It's so great. Like maybe I would just like leave the review on Amazon instead. So, um. There's there's so much to unpack here, but <laughs> I hope all that made sense.
1: It does. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the explanations into uh, my thought process as well. Uh, I'm going to hand it off to either CD or um, Fundamentals here and see if they have any questions they want to add on. Yeah, I have a question, I guess, a, a couple. How are you doing, uh, Billy? Um,
3: yeah, uh, how do you, in a world where... The majority of citizens and average citizens are complacent and kind of do things the easy way. How do you incentivize users enough to kind of choose to you know do their attestation you know on you know the blockchain over- basically not doing it all? How do we get people psychologically to you know use these products that you're building
2: that that's such a good question and and our answer is like. It's 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 going to be really hard to draw people away from where they already are especially if the other place has a ton of friction involved. Like the the web3 experience is honestly just not ready for the masses yet and we got a lot of work to do on that front before it is. And I think the the ultimate end state is all of this technology whether it's Ethereum or intuition or other things it's it's just baked into the things that people are already interacting with. And so our 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 plan is just to to go where people already are. And in the meantime, we, we hope to get some traction in, in web three where people are already crypto native and are familiar with the concepts of wallets and like maybe signing a transaction and, and the little bit of friction that might be involved in this process. But we kind of want to, <laughs> all right, we, we, we don't expect that people will want to do that. And so we have we have to abstract all of that stuff away from the user and make it as easy as possible. Like hopefully they don't even know that they're interacting with the intuition hopefully they don't even know that they're interacting with ethereum they're just doing a thing that they want to do or that solves a pain point for them and on the back end all of this stuff is happening and us in this twitter space are like the people who need to worry about how that's architected and all of that and how we get it to market but the end user we just gotta like make their lives better and and introducing friction to their lives like doesn't do that and so i think we just can't expect that people will want to come over if it just makes their lives harder.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think that's an important distinction you made is how people are best. The majority of people, not that I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just saying the majority of them are better suited just to not know they're using it or they kind of mm-hmm. they shy away or they get confused or like, what the hell is this? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and what type of businesses do you think are best suited for, to start, you know, building on your layer at, at the zero X intuition?
2: Honestly, it's, it's, it's everyone. We've got a few veins that we kind of want people to focus on first because we think they're important, but it's kind of everyone. And so like, a, I think a good framing here is, let's say you're building a new product. Let's say, let's say you're building like a product hunt for Web3 um, without intuition. Like what you might need to do is kind of bootstrap your data set from zero. So when people come to your platform, Maybe they've got to create an account and they have to create a profile for themselves. And then businesses come to you. You you try to get businesses to to post their profiles on your platform so people can upvote them, downvote them. Uh, Then you require the business to come to your platform and create a profile. And then the only data you have are the upvotes and downvotes in your system. Um, But like, what if instead you could just tap into this giant semantic decentralized community-owned knowledge graph that has information about all things. So when a user comes to your platform, they don't have to create a profile. They already have their profile. They already have their reputation that they've generated elsewhere and maybe you want to use that reputation to do something interesting like weight their upvotes and downvotes heavier if they have a good like reputation in the context that they're dealing with. Um, when platforms come over or you know projects whatever, uh, they don't have to create a profile. Like they just have their they just have their profile and they it just like they just import it into your product tent for web three. And not only is the like profile filled out. So you got your name, your bio, your description, your picture, but you have all of the things that all people have ever said about this product. And you can use that data in any way that you want. Um, And then when people do the upvoting and downvoting on your platform, those upvotes and downvotes don't live on your platform. Um, They live on intuition. And so, If the maybe users want to interact with your platform a little bit more, because even if your if your application interface goes away, if the project dies, those upvotes and downvotes still exist. You like the people just created them using your application interface. And so like the data lives forever, even if the application dies. And so you can think you can kind of extrapolate that out to every single application. And and the reason apps might want to do it is because it makes UX so much easier it makes monetization of the data easier because we like programmatically reward people based on the utilization of the data. And so it's like, you, you can, you don't have to think about it as much. It's just like, Oh, I want to integrate with intuition because it makes my life easier. And also I just automatically get rewarded for creating good data. Like that's pretty cool. And so um, that's like high level framing of why just generally people might want to integrate um, but like, what I really want to see is something that I think is important to all of us. And so uh, it's, I kind of frame it as Web3 security because it's not just smart contract security. It's just like Web3 user experience security. So when you are interacting with something in Web3, what intuition allows you to have is a little bit more context about that thing. So maybe that thing is an EOA maybe it is a smart contract, maybe it's a URL, maybe it's a a whole ecosystem like Cardano or something, like, or Ethereum. And just like providing people with a little bit more context about the thing that they're interacting with. So simple user flow is like, let's say you're doing a transaction with MetaMask instead of just seeing a bunch of non-human readable jargon and and then needing your like ETH into some honeypot, you just go to, you can see what your intuition is saying about this smart contract. And it's like, oh, like my DeFi Deezion friend has claimed that this is a honeypot. Maybe I won't approve this transaction. Or, you know, Samsung and Consensus Diligence and quantstamp have all claimed that this is audited and insecure. Maybe I do interact with this thing. Um, and so that's just like transactional user flow, but it's also the discovery of information. It's like when people first come to Web3, how do they know what to do? How do they know what to interact with? And the answer is oftentimes they don't. Maybe they have a friend who like is a huge ripple guy or Cardano guy. And then they're like, like maybe that guy tells them to follow certain people in those communities and like very quickly their reality tunnel becomes curated based on the people that they're listening to and following. And maybe those people aren't the right people And so it's not just like a transaction problem, it's like a discovery problem. And it'd be really nice if like someone comes to Web3, they don't yet have a strong social graph or trust graph, um, but they know that one person, maybe they know Vitalik is trustworthy um, and they can just like equip Vitalik's social graph to view the data through. And so then they're exposed to the Ethereum ecosystem and maybe they look and see, oh, these guys have PhDs, so maybe I trust their opinions now. Um, so I, I feel like this. There's, there's so many applications or things that can be built in this vein. But I think this vein is one of the most important things for us to focus on in the immediate term because we have to solve this Web3 experience before the next 10 million, 100 million people come in. It's just, it just broken right now. Everyone's just getting scammed left and right. And that, that cannot be the, the Web3 user experience because people are gonna have such a bad experience that it's going to be so hard to get them back. And so we just have to make it as good as we possibly can while we're kind of like in this (laughs) like downturn bear market and just prepare ourselves for the bull market. So I feel like that's what I am maybe most excited about is kind of quote unquote web three search and security and discoverability and just like more context about things.
3: Yeah, I think you made uh, excellent points there. I appreciate it, Billy. And certainly, like, the popularity of the brands that come on and businesses that come on will help drive user adoption too. So it'll be, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> the ones you get, I'm sure, we, we'll, you'll be looking to get uh, some bigger ones as well. Definitely.
2: Yeah, and, and that's, like, that's a big kind of go-to-market strategy of ours. So if, if we can get trusted or, like, loud voice or important people to claim things on intuition and it becomes the place to discover what those people are saying about things, then people will probably come to intuition and look at it. Um, So I think like that's, that's a really important piece of the puzzle.
3: Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't have any questions right now. Crypto daddy, do you have any more or any?
0: Hey, sure do. Uh, Billy, thanks for you for being on here. uh, Taking some time out of your day to answer our questions always love uh when a very very competent dev uh comes on to our channel uh it shines it shines through so thank you for taking the time i um, really interested in knowing <clears throat> after learning more about uh the project today what meaningful partnerships that you guys are creating uh to empower your mission there at intuition
2: yeah great question um so honestly every like because it's so broad and it's so low level and general and it's I quote unquote identity and data and knowledge is such a big space to play in. Like everyone is a partner. I don't think that we really have competitors right now. And so we're trying to do our best to talk to literally everyone, but like one group that we're especially talking to are all of the other people doing things in the quote unquote identity space. So you've got like, I, and, and also like the, the mutable crypto data space, which I think is kind of like, there's, there's a bunch of pieces of these puzzles that are kind of interconnected, but like you got disco and ceramic and spruce and you got Verax, which is the new linear thing. And you got Cleek and you, I'm going to, I'm going to EAS, I'm going to forget some names. So I apologize in advance, but there's, there's so many people doing kind of tangential work. And I think everyone is solving a piece of the puzzle. And so I think to start, it's making sure that all of those pieces of the puzzle are aligned so that we build this really, really nice infrastructure so that other partners can build interesting stuff on top super easily. Um, And so that's like step one, like meaningful partnerships are the kind of infrastructural players playing in the same realm that we're playing in because we're just standing on the shoulders of giants. we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not, you know, creating new did methods. We're not recreating ceramic network. We're just like using a lot of these incredible tools that people have built before us and kind of composing them together in an interesting way. So step one is like infrastructure partners. And then step two is um, I, I kind of like to view it as both um, people who can help us quickly A-B test use cases on top, Uh, like effectively Um, and then also things that are like very much in the periphery of end users. So on the first point, we don't think that we have the, like, I think it's kind of naive to think that you can come up with what the killer app or killer use case is. And so our, our approach to things is let's let's let the market decide. Let's just AB test a ton of stuff on top. And so our kind of like ideal partners are, people who want to kind of A, B test intuition in some context that hasn't been explored yet or can quickly spin up POCs for a new interesting use case or anything like that. Because we just we just need to test it out. We don't, we don't want to put all of our eggs into a basket and then like spend three years building some application and then realize nobody wants to use it. I think we just need to rapidly iterate and work with a ton of partners to do that. Um, so that's like partner set number two. And then partner set number three, kind of like the things that are in the periphery of end users. So that's kind of like your meta-masks of the world or your wallets or, or places that people are frequently visiting already. Um, if we can just kind of get integrated there so that intuition just becomes natively part of the web three user experience that people are already experiencing. I think I think that's another critical piece for us to, to lock down early.
1: Beautiful, very well said. Thank you so much, Billy. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'll speak a little bit more here before we uh, open it up to the floor for some Q&A. You know, I think it's just a beautiful section, as I've kind of already talked about already with attestations. I mean, it it hasn't really clicked until now. I mean, when you speak more, all I can think about is an attestation is X proves Y, and X can be anything and Y can be anything. Mm -hmm. And you can do – it's funny because – we talk about market size as investors or even uh, when just analyzing things and the market size for this is, is in, in in some aspect <laughs> because you can prove anything, right? I mean, you, I mean, so like even like, I know you want to use it for things that uh, in like social graphs and uh, more of like kind of, I know how you view it, but it's funny because you can. I mean, this really opens the door to put anything on chain if you really wanted to, to the point of like high school diplomas, where X high school uh, proves that Y person graduated from that high school. Which you know, diplomas are the attestation of of Web two, but there's you then you go on TikTok and you see videos of how uh, some influencer tricked twenty jobs that they went to X high school Mm with with uh, with with you know why uh why accolades and it <laughs> so it really shows you why attestations are important in the sure. simplest form and then you can obviously go forward with uh with 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 proving statements as well yeah
3: max to touch on that i remember there was a story out of florida um last year where there was i think tens of thousands of registered nurses that we're going to a school and not actually there are four. the schools are forging transcripts and these people were just paying for degree right <laughs> yeah that, I remember that anyways so your point
2: and like oh man and with a guy taking off it, it's it's gonna be really hard to know what is authentic and so I think just attribution becomes so important so soon and so I think this is like I don't know if it's the solution, but it's, it's, it's a helpful piece of the puzzle for solving that. And I think just to, just to touch on one thing real quick, which opens up a whole nother can of worms. So when you say thing proves thing about thing, uh, or just thing proves thing, like I would swap out the word proves for states or says. Um, because like, in our mind, there, there is intuition will never say like what is true or false or right or wrong. Like intuition it remains entirely unopinionated and, and everything should be just like people saying things about things. And it's kind of up to like the end user or like the platform itself to determine like how to interpret the data. And so maybe you interpret uh, university claiming that person graduated as like a fact, um, but you could also like, kind of triangulate a bunch of different data points to prove that maybe somebody graduated. So maybe it's like they have this like social network that was at the co- like everyone went to this college or like all the people around them have the the degree and so maybe we can infer that this person maybe went to this college. And so everything <laughs> at least in my mind like most things in the world are just social consensus and so I like to steer everyone away from thinking like oh in the in terms of just discrete kind of deterministic facts and more in the trying to get people to think more about how kind of everything in the world is social consensus even two plus two equals four is social consensus because we come to social consensus around the fact that we're going to use the symbol two to denote this like natural concept that is two and then we're going to use this concept four to like represent this underlying phenomenon of four and so even math is social consensus at the end of the day. Like it's just data about things. You've got people like verifiably claiming that anything, (laughs) just like creating verifiable statements about things. And then you can just like use the data that's now available to you to make your own determination instead of being kind of force fed this kind of singular mode of truth, which is what is kind of happening across the web right now just because we don't have another way to do it really i think and so quick web to parallel something like wikipedia where it's like sure wikipedia i think is it's incredible it's amazing it's relatively objective but the editor i don't know who the editors of wikipedia are there's like a handful of people who curate all of wikipedia and so they have biases and and they're kind of the arbiters of truth they're the arbiters of history. they they, they control like <laughs> every, <laughs> what is fact. And so instead of having this like central group that tells you what is true or false or right or wrong, like anyone should be able to say anything about anything and you should be able to see what everyone is saying about things. And then you should be able to like pick and choose which models you want to use to interpret it. Like it's absurd to think that you would look at the raw data and see what everyone is saying about everything all the time. Cause You just can't do it. And so what you need are curators of that data who live on top who create these models. But then you should have freedom of choice to pick which models you want. So instead of having to default to the Wikipedia model for the distillation of truth, or default to the Twitter algorithm to curate your Twitter feed, or default to like Amazon's recommendations, you should be able to like equip different models to interpret the data and just have freedom of choice. So you don't ever get locked into like a single mode of trust. But
1: that was that was a rabbit hole of a tangent but i think that it's important. was great No, <laughs> i appreciate it it uh you know it gives us more thought into how your brain works and how you see intuition playing a role in uh, attestation space which once again can be anything but uh which uh, it's nice to see what where where you see it headed and where you want it to go I guess my my only final question here before we open the floor to others is uh, curious on what you guys are doing for a token, um, and I'm sure <laughs> other people are as well. <laughs> I don't,
2: uh, I I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Uh, maybe we can bring up our our we general can, counsel to speak <laughs> on that.
1: <laughs> we can, we can. That that statement is all everybody needs. We'll leave it alone from here. <laughs> we'll, uh, Let's open the floor. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: perfect. We'll run, uh, we'll run it into the uh, question segment of the uh, Under the Radar uh, broadcast here. So for the next two minutes, uh, it's 6.48 Eastern Standard Time. For the next two minutes, we will open the floor. If you have a question for Billy here from Zero X Intuition, please go ahead and raise your hand so we can get you up here. We always appreciate our questions. And before we go any further, from each one of us on the team, Fundamentals, Max and myself, Struffer, myself, uh, would like to say thank you guys for attending. We appreciate you all being here with us. Super important. Uh, These don't have any traction without you being here. So uh, wherever you're at, morning, day, night, breakfast, lunch, dinner, we appreciate you guys being here. So thanks. Uh, You got basically about a minute and a half to get up here. We got Blake requesting, and then we're going to get into some questions. So thank you guys again. All right, we got Blake on here with us. Blake, the floor is yours, sir. Hey,
4: everyone. Good to be here. Uh, Really enjoyed listening to you guys. Uh, Sounds like you guys are doing something that's really cool and and I think needed in the space. Uh, I heard you guys reference uh, kind of working closely with uh, identity protocols. Uh, And my question is uh, kind of related to that and that um, what are your plans for kind of protecting against multi-accounts? And uh, things like that, uh, even with uh, identity accounts, uh, people might get uh, their identity approved uh, through different identity protocols on different wallets. And that brings up the possibility of potentially a good number of multi-accounts, uh, even if you are you know, KYC or having your identity uh, proven. I was just curious what your thoughts are on that.
2: Great question. That's a good one. Um, so like this multi-identity world I think is actually useful for a lot of different things and I, I don't think we should lock people into only having like like a single identifier. And so we talked about for a long time actually having kind of pairwise identifiers for every single thing that you do so people can't like correlate your different accounts. Um, so I don't know. There's there's like a bunch of different things to unpack here, but at the end of the day Uh, We just believe that, one, anyone should be able to create a new kind of, let's call it, like, identifier uh, to represent them. And then if you, like, because otherwise you're onto this Black Mirror episode where, like, if you only have one identity or, like, one identifier, then if you do something crazy and completely destroy your reputation, there's just, like, no coming back and you might be screwed forever. And so I think a cool alternative to needing to bootstrap your reputation from zero again, which will be very hard, um, but you can, you at least have a shot. And so that's like one answer. The other is um, kind of the linking of accounts, both in public and ZK ways. And so we have kind of like one thing that we, it's going to be kind of like an officially supported feature of intuition where you can, you can, denote that something is an alias of yours. So you can start linking your various accounts. So when someone goes and searches for 0 billy or billy.eth or one of my eth addresses, they're they're all referencing me. And so long as I want to make that public, I can do so. Um, So then people can just like enter any one of those aliases and find me. They could enter uh, my Twitter handle. They could enter my Discord handle. They could input my Bitcoin address, they will all be linked to, like, my single identity so long as I want them to be. Um, and then another cool feature, which it's a little bit off, but I really <laughs> I really want to get to this. It's, like, the ZK linking of accounts. And so a big problem, we, we talk about, you know, reviews a lot, or people, it's just, like, people claiming things about things. And, and one thing I think we need, it's a little bit controversial, or very controversial, but... I think we should be able to claim bad things about things. And so I want to claim that the three hours capital guys are scammers or like claim bad things about SPF so that he can't just like walk away. And people like people just have the attention span of goldfish. And we need to be able to kind of have this persistent view of like what these people's reputations were over time. And so I want to be able to claim bad things about things in a context that isn't Twitter. You can already do it or I can write a, bad, a tweet that says, hey, these guys are scammers, but then it just gets lost in the ether and you just lose it. And then two weeks later, they raise like $25 million for no exchange, which is ridiculous. And so people are oftentimes hesitant to say bad things about things if because there's there's no benefit to them sometimes. It's just like, why would I do that and put maybe my reputation on the line, may, maybe make some enemies. And so this concept of kind of ZK linking of accounts is you can tie your anonymous account to your public account and people who have your public account in their trust graph will kind of like see the claims that your anonymous account is making. And there's, we have to figure out some like anti-correlation mechanics there so people can't correlate the accounts, but um, just like (laughs) allowing you to like have uh, another voice that isn't maybe tied to your like public identity is I think something really unexplored and potentially, Interesting. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, in intuition, our main combat, or like, our main defense against Sybil attacks is the fact that it's it's the same as Ethereum or any blockchain. So in our system, there is like a, a small fee that you must pay to create data in the system. Um, and you can recoup that fee in, in many different ways. But uh, let's say, you know, a million people spin up a million bot accounts and they all start trying to like boost their own reputations. Um, We're actually pretty stoked because they're all paying protocol fees to all of us as, as people who have interacted with intuition in the past. And so um, then, and then we can identify them and be like, okay, these are just all the same person. They're all bots of this person. I'm going to make a claim that these are all bots. I have like some algorithm that points out the bots so I can claim that they're the bots. People watch my algorithm to understand who is real, who's not. And, they just spent all of this money trying to create these fake reputations. And at the end of the day, it went nowhere. So um, that's kind of like one of our main defense mechanisms against civil attacks.
0: Fantastic question and even better answer. Thank you so much, Billy. Um, it looks like our questionnaire is going to be short today. Um, Blake, that was, that was really a great question. Uh, I know, you come from a background on, uh, on civil attacks, so I appreciate, and, uh, and I can't appreciate myself that question, so thank you. Um, Billy, great answer. Thank you for going into detail on everything that we asked today. Um, great to have you on. Um, is there anything, well, before I, I, before I give it to you in closing, um, what I'd like to know and what I, what I also like to ask most of our other uh, guests on here is if i was uh if i was just hearing this for the first time today and, and just learning about intuition where's the best place for me to go to continue my education on your project
2: yeah you can presently go to intuition dot systems from there we've got all of our social links you can also just go to our twitter it's 0x intuition and and find our website that way um, if you want to get involved we're we're like please come into our Discord, have a conversation with us. One thing that we're doing, even we're, we're going to have stuff very soon for all of you to play around with. So join the community, maybe get some roles <laughs> and uh, like start playing around with our stuff as soon as it's available, especially if you're a developer. Um, but also end user, we'll have end user facing things soon. Um, but in the meantime, what we're also trying to do is In a couple of weeks, we're going to be kicking off this process where we want to turn intuition into this hub for the discussion of a lot of these topics. So there doesn't really seem to be a singular spot where these kind of esoteric topics around identity and knowledge and data are are being discussed in, in like, we feel like it's a really important thing to happen because there's so many misconceptions about what all of these terms mean and people are kind of pigeonholing their thinking into thinking that, you know, maybe identity is just civil resistance and world coin is the answer. And it's like, hey, maybe WorldCoin is cool, but like that's just like one piece of this of you know, this massive puzzle. And so we kind of want to create this forum or this space where everyone can come and discuss these topics. And we think that we have some decent ideas to put out into the world. So we're gonna be hosting these campaigns that are kind of educational. And um, you can either just join and contribute to the, you can listen along, you can contribute to the conversation or you can host a campaign of your own. If you are the expert in some topic and you wanna host, you know, a campaign on, you know, civil resistance, like that would be awesome. And we'd love to have you and we'd love to like have you run like a week campaign. So (laughs) long story short, what you can do right now is go to our website, find all of the places where you can follow us. You can start chatting with us. We're always in discord. We're always available, always happy to jam, always happy to have like one-on-one conversations with people. And we are going to have v- many cool products for y'all very soon.
0: Guys, this, uh, I'm going to tell you, this is uh, a treat have, being able to have somebody on who here who, who is very well spoken. Uh, and, it's, it's not very often that when a developer speaks, you can, uh, I mean, you. sorry, it is often that you can tell what their knowledge and, and, and how much they know and their education, their background is, but you can really tell when they really, really know their stuff. So uh, Billy, thank you for being on here. Thank you for taking your time. I appreciate you um, on behalf of my end of things. Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you guys. This was awesome. Really appreciate it.
0: Uh, fundamentals or Scruffer, or either of you guys got anything in closing?
1: Nope, that's all, Billy. Really glad to have you on, man. Um, you know, love you as a founder, as a person, and uh, excited to see what intuition has to uh, has to present over the next few years. Sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, Billy, thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed uh, listening to your level of experience in the field and uh, what you're building over there. It looks really, really good. And uh, extend our appreciation to Walsh Wealth Ventures uh, for co-hosting this event. And uh, appreciate everyone who showed up. And uh, thank you.
2: Thanks, y'all. Let's make it happen again soon. we would love to come back on at some point. That'd be awesome.
4: Great job, Billy. Thank (laughs)
2: you.